if there is something that is present when we are raising neurodivergent children is unpredictability. And unpredictability feels scary for somebody who has a pattern of rigidity. I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcela. And you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting, to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hello, Cycle Breakers. Welcome to another episode of the Parenting with Understanding podcast. For this episode, we are going to do a coaching session with Pamela. She is a mom of a one-year-old, a four-year-old, and a 17-year-old. Her four-year-old is diagnosed with autism, and she is finding a way, trying to find a way to to enjoy parenting her four-year-old in a way that doesn't seem like it's pulling teeth, that every transition is a struggle, that she's able to find fun, that she's able to find flexibility uh, and safety parenting her four, her highly sensitive four-year-old who struggles to accept no for an answer and to transition from activity to an activity. Rachel Rogers is now with me today, so it's going to be me. This is part one, and the next week we are going to air part two, where we are going to finish this coaching session with Pamela. If you are a parent of a child zero to 18 years old, and you want to parent respectfully, and you feel like you've been trying everything, you've been reading the books, you've been listening to the podcasts, you've been watching the TikToks and the Reels, and still you feel like you cannot apply gentle parenting or make it work for your family, and you want to break your cycle. The Parenting with Understanding program is a 14-week group coaching program that has helped over 600 parents go from frustration, overwhelm, to peaceful cooperation with their children. Every week, you get the direct guidance from your parenting coach because diving into your parenting dynamic, your child's specific needs, your specific needs, your personalities, and the way that you relate and communicate with your children takes more than just reading about it, than reading books. So every week, you meet with your parenting coach so if you are interested on getting personalized guidance to give you the transformation that you're looking for, I encourage you to open the description of this podcast episode and apply for a free call with our admissions advisor where you're going to get clear on what's the missing piece in your parenting. And if it makes sense, you will enroll in the Parenting with Understanding program. Okay, let's go with Pamela. Hi, Pamela. Hi, Marcela. <laughs> How are you? Nice to meet you. Same. I'm, I, I was saying I'm fangirling over getting to talk to you. Okay, so please tell me more about your family, your desires, what you want from this parenting coaching session. What is your main struggle? Um, I guess I had a total trans- parenting transformation. I was a young mom. Um, I was 19 when I had my first daughter and, um, 
then I had more children like 12 or 13 years after that. So I have two young boys now. Um, and in the process of that growing up, I realized I just was not liking my parenting style. Um, I was never particularly angry in general, but I did realize that I was not channeling my frustrations well. So I started researching into other types of parenting. At that point, my daughter was becoming a teenager. So I was seeing a drastic change in her behavior and my parenting methods were just not reaching her. So um, it was kind of a, a struggle and, um, you know, getting to know myself a little bit too, to realize I need to change those parenting skills I had or not, not skills, <laughs> improve skills. Um, so I am trying really hard to be more mindful of my patience, of my uh, temper, of um, the way I speak to my children. I have right now a four-year-old and a one-year-old and an almost 17-year-old. So uh, with the four-year-old, he's a, a highly sensitive child and you know one of the things we we kind of laugh a little bit is I tell him like Anthony what do you teach me and he says patience mama and I'm like yes he came to teach me patience um and we and, and that's something that I struggle with with him it's just mostly with him um and again it's because he is a high sensitive child and I am an impatient person to start with so I'm kind of hoping that I can find myself to um, catch myself before I lose it. And it doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's just, I, I feel like such a bad mom. It kind of undoes the good stuff. So it's just, it just becomes very overwhelming. And, um, I guess I just want to improve my techniques on how, how to communicate better with him, how to, how to help him, um, do the things that he needs to do to develop uh, without giving him a complex or something in the process. Before anything, I want to tell you that I'm very impressed with your levels, of, your level of awareness. When you said that uh, you you believe that your four year old is here to teach you patience, that's a level of awareness that not many people have, and you do. Many people are blaming their kids and you are saying, wait, there is something that I'm, I'm here to learn. So that's the first thing that I want to tell you, that I see that you're trying. I see that you have a level of awareness. I imagine from the things that you've been learning online. Have you ever um, read books or what have you tried to to you said to improve your parenting skills so how you say you can catch yourself before you lose it so yeah i mean i've been reading like parenting books um more so now the second time around i became a mom like some of the is it the brain development or something like that of the child that it starts kind of like a pregnancy and gives you all this information about how um 
baby brain starts developing and feeling everything you're feeling as you're pregnant and kind of walks a little bit through toddlerhood and a little bit to adulthood. So I have been reading kind of some similar books to that. Um, I started going to therapy myself just so that I can uh, not let my own anxiety reflect on my behavior towards my kids. Um, and that's kind of like as much as, as far as I've gotten. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You've tried things. Uh, I can see that you've tried, you, you try every single day um, to improve your skills. If we were to zero down a very hyper-focused intention for this session, what would you say? I heard you saying that you want to improve your communication with your son, your four-year-old son. I hear you say that you want to understand yourself so you can catch yourself before you lose it. And I heard that you want to be able to help them as a highly sensitive child. So if you were to choose one of those, what do you think would be the intention that at the end of this session, I want to, what would it be? I want to help my high sensitive child. <laughs> I he's my, he's, he's my, um, bit of a struggle, I guess, more so, uh, at this time. <laughs> and it all will vary as my kids grow and develop. And as soon as I figure one of them out, the other one grows and changes. And <laughs> then I'll try to catch up with the other one. Yeah. But I guess for, he's my focus right now. Okay. So you want to help your highly sensitive child. So when you said that you want to help him, what is that thing that you say he's struggling with or you're struggling with him? Um, so he's, he's very determined. So he makes up his mind rather quickly on what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. And then it's very um, difficult to try to guide him otherwise, let's say it. Um, we, I have tried to read a few things and just like give him options that are within his comfort, um, try to make him be more involved in the decisions that he makes. Um, I, something that I learned mostly through you is just no times out that just kind of detaches him. Uh, I take kind of like, um, what I say, take a break and, and, what I do is I'll take a break with him and we sit together and then, um, cause he tends to just like cry a lot. And, and I'm just like, okay, let's do, uh, I, I just heard you at some point mention some techniques. So I just kind of like try to went with, go with that. And I was like, okay, we're going to blow five birthday candles. So you know, I need big, big blows. So come on, help me. And I'll like pretend like if it's a little blow, like I'm just shaking my finger. It's like, it's not good enough. Come on, deep breaths, deep breaths. Um, and try to just sit and soothe him with it. Okay, so you said that you, he's very determined that he has a difficult time uh, accepting no for an answer, that you try to give him, give him options, uh, make him more involved, having a break with him. Uh, let's blow some candles, like using coping strategies with him. So let's. I'm curious about something. When you tell your highly sensitive child, by the way, is he diagnosed with something? 
Medically, they diagnosed him with autism. Um, he was like on the border of the spectrum um, when, but he was delayed with his speech. He was like, he didn't talk till he was two. So this was mid COVID. My husband and I would do kind of like the, the speech therapy sessions with him. So we learned like online kind of like this. And we started doing speech therapy with him and teaching him sign language. We had to learn sign language. So it was, it was definitely a learning experience for us to, to teach him all of these things. And that was really helpful with our younger one now, because we were able to just automatically incorporate so much of this information with him. Um, so yeah, medically he got diagnosed, um, when we tried to take him through the, um, um, public school, like the um, board of education, um, they said, no, he just has a speech delay. Um, and it was probably because we speak two languages at home that that was kind of delaying his speech. Um, and that he's kind of worked through the majority of his objectives there, but I still see, um, that he has a hard time with transitions, with, um, with doing stuff he doesn't want to do. So what is a common reaction that you get from him? Let's just say a transition. What is the transition that is kind of the most difficult at the moment? Um, he just screams and runs around. <laughs> so what, what would it be a transition? Maybe bedtime, morning? What is the most difficult one? Getting in the car? It just kind of like depends. It's usually, it's not, it's not that, that can be like an extreme reaction. Most of the time the transitions are, he just kind of complains about it. If there's nothing that he just does it, does it. It's like always with a complaint with a, I don't want to, I want to do this. I want to eat that. I don't want to eat what you gave me, or I don't want to go to the park. Or for example, he's having issues in with his tummy lately. And I'm like, if you, you know, you're going to get sick. So he'll, just to be contrary, he's like, well, I want to get sick. Like, if you, you're sick, you won't be able to play. He's like, well, I don't want to play. <laughs> it's just like, oh, man. But, you know, if you add it up to the end of the day, by the end of the day, I'm just like, I know. Can you? Okay, so it's kind of like they add, add up, add up little transitions and struggles all day. Okay. So let's just say it's time to leave the park or it's time to go to the park. And then you say, okay, it's time to go to the park. And then he complains. You witnessing that moment, how do you feel in your body? Honestly, it depends on the time of the day. If it's early in the morning, he catches me, I'm still good. But like by noon, I'm like, I don't know. It's just like frustration, just exhaustion. Mm, okay. So is it fair to say that when your physical needs are met, then you are able to access more presence than when your physical needs are now met? Oh, 100%. And that's just a big issue in my household right now is I don't get a lot of sleep because we have a little guy that tends to be ish in the mornings, you know? So like at night, like sometimes he'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll go and soothe him and put him down. But I work full schedule. So when um, my kids are sleeping and I get them to bed at eight, I go and work two or three hours that night to make up for my day because I have little guys running around. So, and then my youngest is up at five and I've gone to bed at midnight and it's just 
training. So, you know, when you do that for a few nights, your body takes it. I've been on this for like years at this point. So I definitely feel when I sleep better, yes, I'm, I'm much, much better. <laughs> but um, I don't know how to change that other than maybe quitting my job and just that's not a possibility. Okay. Do you have a co-parent? Or, or a spouse, or or are you a single mom? No, no, my husband. My husband's very involved. He really is. But the mid, the, that's the problem. It's it's that mom thing, you know. I want to sleep through the night, but I want to be the one to go comfort the baby if he's crying. So it's a little contradicting. And, and mainly because he won't soothe with dad. Oh, the baby tends to only soothe with mama. So I tend to just want to go in and soothe him. I see it. Thank you for sharing this with me. Um, I'm sure it, yeah, I, I, I feel and I see that by 12, but no, by noon, you, you're going to be exhausted if you are, if your physical needs are not being taken care of at night. Um, and then if you have a one-year-old that wakes up in the middle of the night, and you are the primary caregiver, and then you have a four-year-old who is fighting you for little transitions all day, and then and then he he's diagnosed with autism. I I see that. Um, can I ask you a question? Uh, when I hear you say that I want to be the one who takes care of the one-year-old when he wakes up, when you say I want to be the one. Who takes care of the one-year-old when he wakes up? I, I'm curious about something. What comes up for you if you are not the one? Does you say if your husband is the one waking up and taking care of the one-year-old in the middle of the night? How would that feel for you? I feel guilty for not going. Is it okay if I ask you a question about your family? Yeah. About your fa or family of origin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how how was the role of mothers in your family of origin? Were they the ones taking care of everything and didn't have help of their co-parents or or they had division of tasks with their co-parents? Yeah, my mom was the main caregiver, I feel like, but my dad was an involved dad. He's always been an involved dad. And um, he was also helpful with chores so I even though I come from a very Hispanic household I'm not that standard um, background of my dad not helping or anything like that he was always very um, he still is <laughs> very helpful um, around the house so I always grew up seeing my dad help my mom around but my mom was always the main caregiver for us okay so when you said that you feel guilty if that guilt had a voice, what would be saying to Pamela? What would be telling you? Let's just say it's the middle of the night, the one-year-old wakes up, because now it's clear that if your physical needs are taken care of a little bit better, you are more present with your four-year-old. So it ties up. So let's just say it's the middle of the night and the one-year-old wakes up, and then your husband says, no, Pamela, you sleep, I go. And then you say you feel guilty. If that guilt had a voice, what, what would it be telling you right now? Get out, the baby needs you. 
um, I guess it's also because I've always been the caregiver for him. Like about you, about yourself, about who you are as a mother. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just an instinct. I don't know if what it would tell me. It's just like, I feel bad. Like go help because dad won't be able to soothe him. Like you soothe him. It's going to take him one hour. It's going to take me 20 minutes. Just go get up and do it. And not let him go through the crying process. Okay. Has he been through the crying process before? Like that we've let him cry? No. Has your husband been through the crying process before? That he's the one soothing the baby until he settles down? We've tried it. And it's it takes a long time. And I can't sleep while he's doing it because I still hear him screaming and the little guy's just yelling, mama, mama, mama. So it's like he pulls out my heart. <laughs> I can't go to sleep. He just wails. And all I want to do is get up and get him because he's calling for me. <laughs> okay. So you would say that that's not on the table of trying to get your one-year-old to get used to your husband as well? Like you... What I'm trying to see here is that I see you trying to juggle all the kids and everything at once, all by yourself. Even if you have a co-parent, you are putting all that weight on yourself. So obviously you are going to run on empty. Like anyone, anyone, even the most skillful, gentle parent who does not have an outlet, who does not who is not able to take care of their needs is going to explode if they don't have a way to meet their needs. So it doesn't matter how, how much, how many skills I give you to help your highly sensitive child. If you're going to apply those skills on E, then it's not going to work because your nervous system is going to be dysregulated. And I understand that you have three kids and I understand that you might not always be fully recovered and well slept because I'm not either. <laughs> what I'm trying to see is how can we find a middle ground that you are somewhat functional throughout the day. So you already said that the night you want to have it, you feel guilty if if the if your toddler is crying for for long for long periods of time can i ask you a question about that about the crying thing when your 1 year old is crying what does it tell you about yourself you mean like in the middle of the night when he cries when he cries what does that behavior tell you about yourself as a mother i don't know i guess that i just need to help him like it's my job to go help him so you said that you feel guilty that you feel that you want to react right away so let's just say he's with your husband and he's not calming down immediately for the first day or the second day that we that you're doing this transition let's just say that you decide that your husband is going to be more involved at night your toddler crying that long and your husband's arms. What is that telling you? 
I guess that I want to go do it. I, I want to go do that job and I have a hard time letting go. <laughs> I have a hard time just letting it go. And I, I know that. And I, I try to work on that <laughs> as like, okay, you do the laundry in your time, but like his time doesn't work for me. So then I get cranky and I go do the laundry and, and it's just like, um, something I struggle with. It's just not having things done like quickly and promptly and on time because I, for example, cannot sit down and rest if there's dishes to be done or there's something like the toys are spilled. I can't like relax. I need to have everything in order for me to sit and relax. Otherwise my brain is like, no, get up. There's still stuff to be done. I hear that you said that you have a hard time letting letting it go, letting it be. I wonder if this is transferring to your four-year-old as well. When you tell your four-year-old, okay, it's time to do this, and then he decides to do the opposite. Do you see this need for control present in there as well? Um, it depends on the time or what, what it is. Like if it's a if if it's a need, like we need to get out of the house because I need to make an appointment. Um yeah, I, I won't let it go. In general, if it's like a Sunday, a Saturday, we're just hanging out at home and like right now he's like, I don't want lunch. I'm like, fine, you're just not ready to eat. Let's, when you're hungry, let me know. Which probably with my older would have never happened. <laughs> that I would just like, no, we all sit together at this time. We're all sitting down. So it seems, correct me if I'm wrong, my empathy guess is that if your child's desire doesn't uh, conflict with your to-do list, then you have an easier time letting it go than as if it conflicts with your to-do list or your agenda. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, I guess it, it depends on like what the agenda is. Like if I want to get them all fed or something like that, that doesn't bug me that he'll eat when his body tells him it's fine. But if it's I have to get out a certain time to make a doctor's appointment, I'm more strict on those things. Like there's there's no negotiating that. It might be like the negotiation is like pick the toy you want to take with you in the car. Let's go. Pick a snack. Let's go. So I try to give him some control of that transition. But when it's more urgent things, I yeah, I'm less flexible with him on those things. For sure. And those are the things that you would say is a struggle with your four-year-old? The times when you need to get out the door for a reason like that? No, not in particular getting out or doing something at a particular time. It's more just a general complaint of anything we do. Like if we go to the park, he complains about going to the park. We're leaving the park, he complains about leaving the park. Thank you for sharing that. So when you say that he complains about the things that you need to that he needs to do, how do you see what what do you think about him? I think I think he's difficult, but I try not to say that because I don't want him to think he's difficult. <laughs> I don't want him to label that on himself, but I label that on him. 
and I'm just like frustrated. I'm like, why is he, why is nothing easy with this child? Is it okay if I ask you a question about your childhood? Yeah. Were you labeled as difficult or stubborn as a child? No. Did your parents or your caregivers label you good or bad, positive or negative labels? Not, not much that I can remember. I mean, I, I grew up in a very, very loving household, but my mom was very strict with like times and things and things need to be done, need to be cleaned. Like we don't rest, we don't, I, and I know I totally carry that from, from my household. It was a very loving household, but yeah, my mom marched us like on the dot and she's still like that. She likes things done like prompt soon um, when she wants them at the time she wants them and And what happened when you did not follow that that strict guideline that she put on you? Or you always followed it? Or she would get mad. She would get mad. I mean, we always tried to. Nobody wanted to get my mom mad. And what happened when she got mad? She, I mean, we, she yelled and screamed at us. Sometimes she would hit us. Not very often. I don't remember many times getting hit, but I did. I got spanked. Um, And actually recently they were here and staying with us, helping us. Um, and we had to have a full conversation about this parenting thing because I'm trying this completely different method than they are comfortable with. Um, and it, it, it was, they were trying not to not to stir the boat, but I figured I'm going to have to do this because they just, I keep getting the faces and they're like, oh, like, why is she doing this? And making me feel like I'm not being strict enough or not being, um, you know, kind of meeting uh, the behavior of the child. And um, like when Anthony would tantrum or hit, it was just like, well, if you hit him one time, like he'll know not to hit. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I don't want to parent that way anymore. And it just kind of, they took it very personal as if I was, um, as if it was a way of complaining of their parenting. Yeah. As if I was calling them bad parents. So I had to talk with them about that and say, this is just how I want to parent. And I want to start by telling you, I have always felt loved and cared for and I'm thankful you guys have been wonderful parents I could not have asked for better parents but that's just not working for me in my parenting journey and I may be messing up but I I, I I'm allowed to mess up on this because that's my journey you are a cycle breaker you are breaking your cycle yeah you know why I see Pamela before before I um tell you about the pattern that I see because I see a pattern. How do you feel right now after all these questions? Something has came up for you? Yeah, it feels like you, you unload a little bit. Um, like you reflect on how your, um, the way you're brought up reflects on how you raise your kids. And sometimes how I'm not necessarily conscious of the things that I do and how it just projects from from my childhood into my adulthood and how then I project that out to them as a parent. 
So it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to figure that out. <laughs> uh, and you know what? It takes more than reading about it and reading child developmental books. It takes parenting coaching. So I'm glad that you're here. Um, I do see a pattern. Let me know if if what I see is something that like, yes, I think Marcela is going through to the right direction or no, I don't feel it. I think it's more this. The idea is that we unpack this together. So this is what I see. Growing up, there was a pattern that started. And this was the pattern. You had loving parents. And those loving parents were loving parents during those unstructured, there is not much to do time, right? Like we are just playing, we're just having fun, we are going to the movies. It's a Sunday morning, it's a Saturday night, everything is awesome. When it came to the to the weekly routine where there were deadlines, there were times to to there were places to go on time, there were um, things that needed to be done a certain in a certain way at a certain time. That's when your mom, your mom, and you know, I want to give empathy to your mom because it's possible that she carried that cycle from their her parents as well. Then your mom, eh, the way that she handled that was having a really strict routine and a really strict guideline that she raised you with. And when you came out of bounds or out of line, then you received a big reaction from her. So being out of line, being, uh, being flexible for you will seem as not safe. So what was your, the way that you survived that, the coping mechanism, the survival mechanism that you developed, that you became, in a way, your mom in that sense. You developed that strict pattern that you need to follow because if you don't follow it, if you come out of bounds, if you're flexible, then it is not safe. Because growing up, it was it was you were met with yelling. You were met with a really angry parent, and 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 an angry parent who did not have the emotional skills to manage her own anger and not put it on you. So what happens? That that conflict, that rigidity carried on in your adulthood and is now reflected in your parenting. Now I see it reflected with the with your one year old at night. Right? At night is we need to go back to sleep. He needs to he needs to calm down and I'm the one who helps him calm down fast. And daddy doesn't do that right away. So daddy cannot have a chance because my strict guideline for bedtime is that when baby cries, I'm going to soothe him fast. So he comes down fast and he goes back to sleep. And I see that reflected 
in your in parenting your four-year-old as well. When it is time for having an unstructured time, it's a Sunday morning, we don't have much to do, but when it's time to go to the doctor or to go to school, a place where we need to be on time, then when that's when that anxiety starts to raise up. And then the way that you cope with that anxiety that created that narrative of it is not safe to be flexible is by not being flexible. That's the pattern that I see. Now, it makes a lot of sense to me that if you have a pattern of rigidity, that you see your child as difficult. I'm not saying you want to label him that way. You said it. I don't want to label him that way. I don't say it out loud, but in my nervous system, that's how it feels to me that he's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> because children, especially the neurodivergent children, if anything, and I say from experience as a neurodivergent person who raises neurodivergent children, if there is something that is present when we are raising neurodivergent children, is unpredictability. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> and unpredictability feels scary for somebody who has a pattern of rigidity, of lack of flexibility. Can I ask you a question about that pattern? If you were to describe unpredictability, how, would, how does unpredictability feel to you? When you expect your, your four-year-old to do something and he does the opposite or he complains about it and, and drags his feet, how does it feel to you? I feel like my skin prickles. Like I'm just, oh, I feel like someone's pulling at me or something. I, yeah, I feel like a physical reaction from, like when I'm at my tipping point, I just, like the world shutting down. Like in my head and my arms. I don't know why my arms, actually, now that I think about it, just feels like in my arms, like someone's just like trying to strip me off or something. I don't know. It just feels strong. 97% of our listeners are women, are moms. And I hear you because I have severe postpartum depression. And many times I had to tell my husband, you have to stay here because I don't know if I could hurt our babies. And it was so hard for me to even say that. I just, I didn't feel like hurting them. I just felt it like in me, like I just wanted to run and just smash myself against the wall. I don't know why. It was just a physical feeling of achiness that came from like my stomach and my chest. So it took a lot. For me to kind of just get out of that and do therapy and learn how to calm my anxiety down and not panic every time I was in the car with the kids because I was just like, in, I couldn't drive, thinking like something's going to happen. Like every day I woke up thinking I'm going to die. I don't know how. It's not by me. I don't want to die. But I was just in panic mode that I was going to die and leave babies alone. So I don't know how that happened. But Sometimes when I get to that anxiety, like that exhaustion point with Anthony, 
I get that physical feeling again of like, oh, just like the anxiety sets in and I have to just take a step back and breathe and find my center again and then try again. So it's, it's hard. So this is, this is where I see is going to be what's going to help you. So right now, what's pulling you, what's pulling you really is that really strong sense of having everything under control. Yep, you, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> That's what it is. That really strong sense of having everything in line. So the way for, for you to start finding your path towards enjoying your parenting, parenting your highly sensitive child is to start to, to find a way to soften the cycle of rigidity and start finding safety in flexibility. Because right now, flexibility feels really unsafe for you. Yeah, that's very true. With your one-year-old when he cries in the middle of the night, when your four-year-old when he complains about the transition, it's the same cycle. It's just a different, it's presenting in different ways because you have kids different ages. Yes, and the same was happening with my teenager. <laughs> so I had to also kind of work my way through that one. Now my question for you is, would you be willing to work through that towards a more expansive belief about what flexibility might look like? Yeah, absolutely. So we can start softening that. Yeah, I would, I would love to. I would love to enjoy my parenting more than I do because it shouldn't feel so rough all the time. And sometimes I attribute it to the age and I say it's going to get better because they're little and it's physically daunting and it's going to get better. But I don't want to like, miss the time of enjoying them by feeling just and I do, I enjoy them. I have, I love them and I have good times with them. But sometimes it's just really hard to wake up and be a mom that day. And it's not them and it's not the age. It's the, it's the pattern that is transferring from developmental stage to developmental stage. Okay, so let's take a deep, a deep breath. And I think we are in a good path here. So we're going to do something that I do in several coaching sessions in the Parenting with Understanding program, but we can have a start here. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you relate to Pamela, I want to tell you that there is safety in flexibility and there is a way to enjoy your highly sensitive child, even when they're digging their heels and during transitions, there is a way. And this way, we are going to discover it next week in part two of this coaching session. So I hope that you come back and listen to part two. If you received any value, if you related to this story, leave a review. Open the description and leave us a review because it helps us get to more parents. 
If you have not followed us, I encourage you to follow us at High Impact Club at The Considered Mama. And if you are one of HIC Parenting's customers, join our private Facebook group, HIC Cycle Breaker private Facebook group. Request to join over there. We are a private community of parents helping one another in our parenting with understanding journey. Okay, I'll see you next time. And remember, it only takes understanding to break their cycle.